Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Youth Voice Amplified are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily represent the official position of the Kern County Superintendent of Schools Office. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, school, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Youth Voice Amplified covers a wide range of topics that can be upsetting to some listeners. Content warning for each episode and links to resources can be found in the episode show notes on our website. All names in this interview have been changed for anonymity and safety purposes, but their voices and stories are real. When young people share their stories, they can change the world. But some youth voices still go unheard. Join me, Janessa Fisher. And me, Brian Johnson, for this youth-led monthly interview series as young people tell their untold stories of experiences with homelessness, foster care, disabilities, teen parenting, and more. Each conversation will uncover stories of hope, strength from our youth storytellers who want to share the best ways that we can all support youth in similar situations as theirs. If you want to know how to do better for youth or simply just be inspired, this is your show. Every youth has a story to tell. Are you ready to listen? and welcome back to Youth Voice Amplified, the podcast where every youth is heard and every voice matters. I'm your host, Janessa. And I'm Brian. On this episode, we'll be talking with one of our community-leading youth voices, Manuel. He will be sharing his story of overcoming hardships and adversity throughout his early life and his journey to becoming a community advocate and youth leader. But before we jump into this amazing episode, we want to take a moment to thank all of our listeners for the amazing amount of support that has been shown since we debuted the podcast last Valentine's Day. Youth Voice Amplify would not be where it is now without your generous words of encouragement and great feedback. It has been an exciting few months for us and we have more amazing interview schedules. So make sure you follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We have a great episode for you today. So let's get right into it. Manuel is a first generation college student and one of Bakersfield's leading youth voices in the community. He joins us to share some of his earliest struggles and how they motivated him to step up for himself and others. As you will hear, Manuel has come a long way from a small rural town where he grew up. And even when his world was turned upside down, his sense of resiliency and positivity never left him. Now please enjoy our conversation with Manuel. Manuel, welcome to Youth Voice Amplified Podcast. We are so happy to have you on. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, Manuel, before we hear your story, we would like our listeners to get to know you better. What is the most embarrassing style you used to rock? Uh, So I remember back in like 2000, I was in like seventh grade. I remember there was this little trend, like soccer players used to dye their hair blonde. I don't know if you guys are. I like, remember that. Yeah, you guys, I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but uh, so I used to play soccer back in the day. And I remember, uh, I don't know why, but I was just like, you know what? I'm going to dye my hair blonde like everybody else. Oh, no. So for like a year or two, I kid you guys not, I would have my hair like a like a mohawk. And like that, just that mohawk part was dyed blonde. And then sometimes I look at pictures now and I'm like, dang, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> Wait, so you had like hair and then only this like, part. Yeah, just the mohawk just, part was blonde. <laughs> yeah. that was, it was like it was like blonde a blonde. Like, yeah, yeah. It was like a, and like I remember like the high school, like the high school players used to do it. So then I was like, you know, I'm going to play high school soccer. Like, might as well just get it started. <laughs> so <laughs> I dyed my hair blonde and oh, I don't know what I was thinking. I look at pictures now and I'm like, did I really do that? <laughs> like, did, did my parents really let me dye my hair blonde? You were like, like this is a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid, you know, so I thought it was a great idea. But, you know, now that I look at pictures, I'm like, hey, what was I thinking? 
<laughs> How like, big was like that. the mohawk? Like it was like you know like like this right here. So it was like. But you still had a full head of hair. Like, no, 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 it was so, like, just the mo- every, it was just the mohawk. So I like you I was know, thinking maybe like nothing on the sides. Like, like it was like a like a two or a one. Oh, it was real low. <laughs> yeah, it was like a real low haircut. So just the mohawk, and you know, I was blonde. I remember one time I dyed it with somebody else, and like they left it ugly. It was like <laughs> you were like this is this is not it. And then. I just ended up just cutting it bald, and I was like, you know what? I can't do this no more. <laughs> and you only dyed it once? Like, no, I, I kept it for like a good year or two. So, oh, like, geez. that was my style. So, you, you continued? Yeah, I kept, I kept doing it, but, and you know, it came to a point where I was like, yeah, this, this doesn't look good. So, did you stop before or after the trend was over? A little bit before, because I'm, I'm not too sure if they still do it, but I know it was like a little soccer tradition or whatever. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the soccer player Neymar. I remember when he first came out, he had like like blonde hair, and that's why people started doing it. And yeah, so I I, I stopped a little bit before uh, the trend was out of style. So at least you didn't go overboard. Yeah, <laughs> rocking least, it after. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we like to ask our guests our signature question, which is, "What does youth voice mean to you?" What does youth voice mean to me? So, you know, it's exactly what it is. You know, it means youth being heard. You know, a lot of times uh, I feel like the youth or kids don't think that they're being heard, that they don't have a voice. So I feel like it's just empowering each other, you know, giving the, the youth somewhere to, how do I say, giving you something to, like the hope to that they're heard. You, you know what I mean? So like your voice matters is what that means to me. Manuel, can you share uh, with, our, with our listeners about your life growing up and some of the challenges you've experienced? Oh. So growing up, I mean, you know, I'm a resident here in the United States, so I was born in Mexico, you know, life in Mexico. I don't remember much of it because I came when I was about four years old, but I do remember like, you know, my dad, he lived over here for a little while. So living on my own with my sisters and stuff like that, you know, uh, struggling with money because we could barely make ends meet and it was it was rough. And then I remember moving out here, going to school. Uh, things are a little rough too, you know, being a new kid, not speaking English, you know, it was a, it was a little rough trying to fit in with certain crowds and stuff like that. Um, I remember growing up in elementary school, I was always fighting. I was never in school and yeah, man, it was rough. Things are, th- things are crazy back then. And I feel that if sh- it really helped shape the person who I am now, but you know, it, it was, it was crazy back then. My life was a little hectic. <laughs> You mentioned how you were fighting in school. Like, what was school like overall for you at that time? Uh, I remember up until like fifth grade, I, I had to change a few schools because of how much I was fighting. You know, the schools are like, yeah, this kid is just. I remember I was never even in school. I remember like I'd get suspended. I'd go one day, mm-hmm. fight the next day, get suspended for a few days, come back, and then fight again, and then get suspended again. <laughs> So I remember up until like third grade, that was pretty much my life. Like I remember uh, having a teacher there and she spoke to my dad saying that, you know, I I wasn't, my reading level wasn't where it was supposed to be. And she spoke to my dad telling him that. And yeah, man, it was just, it was a little hectic. I wasn't really too focused in school. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to learn or whatever. I don't know, man. I was, I was a kid. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I understand like those were like difficult times for you, but what helped you get through those difficult times? I'm gonna have to say uh my family. You know, I seen like or not. Yeah, my family cuz I knew that, you know, being a resident here, 
I knew that my family came over here to give me a better future. You know, they could have just left me over there and, mm-hmm. you know, God knows what I would have done. But, you know, I feel like just having that mindset, like, okay, my family brought me here to do something with my life. I'm not just going to throw it away. So, you know, just keeping that hope, knowing that my family worked hard to get me where I'm at. So I just wanted to give back to them and actually do something with my life. So that's what really helped me. My family just thinking about how much they sacrificed to get me to where I was at. So. And as you, like, progressed in school, like, you talk about when you were in, like, third grade. As you progressed, is it the same thing? Like, your family really motivated you? And did you have the same problems going throughout the grades? I feel like they kind of, they changed a little. You know, it's like, when you're a kid, you you don't see certain things. Or you do see them, but you don't really know what they are. So I feel like once I started growing up, I started seeing, like, all these issues, you know, like, with family or whatever. Um and I, I feel like they progressed, you know. I, I wasn't fighting in school as much anymore because I remember one time my dad, uh, he would tell me, like, when I was younger, he'd always be like, if you keep fighting in school, you keep doing bad, they're going to take your papers away. And, you know, that was in my head, like, dude, I don't want my ta- papers to get taken away, so I want to be here. Or I remember my dad, uh, so my mom, she lives in Mexico, and I never really grew up with her. I remember, like, any time I get into trouble, my dad would be like, I'm going to send you to your mom. And I start crying, bawling, like, oh, I don't want to go to Mexico, I want to live here. So, you know, I feel that that was what kind of, you know, my age and my experiences kind of like started having different problems. You know, I I was having trouble in school. Like I said, reading, I always had trouble reading. So it was more, uh, it wasn't much as as much fighting anymore. It was kind of like doing homework, you know, and stuff like that. That's what I had trouble with. I mean, at least in school, (laughs) you know, that's what it was. What about outside of school? What What was that like for you? Um, so my dad, he worked, uh, nights. So oftentimes, uh, he wasn't at, or he was at home, but he was sleeping, you know, he had his own things going on. And like I said, uh, my mom lived in Mexico at that time, my sister, she had, you know, she had her kid or whatever. So she moved out. So it was just me and my dad. And I remember just ever since I was young, what am I going to say? I think like third, fourth grade. Um, I remember hanging out with my cousin. He was in like high school at the time. I remember just going out there and he was a uh, at the time he was you know in gangs or whatever and you know a little kid just going around you know meeting gang members you know seeing them do drugs and stuff like that you know I I think the first time I ever smoked a cigarette was like third grade mm-hmm. you know I said my, my grandpa left a little cigarette or whatever and then I started smoking that and then with my cousin whenever he'd go with his friends they smoked cigarettes so I was with them and then I remember uh, being introduced to weed in like fourth grade and that was the first time I ever tried that so, you know, um, most of my life outside of school was either like gangs or drugs or stealing, just, uh, you know, getting into trouble. It wasn't ever a there was never a time where I could say that me and my friends were out there doing something good <laughs> because, you know, that's just what we're doing. You said your your dad was like there, but he was sleeping. So it sounds like you kind of had to raise yourself. Yeah. It and that's what it feels like now. It's like I think about it now and I'm like, you know, I was literally raising myself, you know, because my dad, I remember times when he was sick and I'd go ask my aunt like hey you know my my dad is sick right now like is there any food that you can give me so I can go take it to him and stuff like that so yeah a lot of times I was on my own trying to you know figure things out by by myself and I feel like you know that all those things like me having to grow by myself kind of just played out to how my life was going to be eventually you know give me that independence can you share how the pandemic impacted your life the pandemic so 2020 COVID pandemic. Um, so I remember before the pandemic started, uh, I wasn't 
you know, some deep trouble. Um, one thing I like to say to my family and stuff like that is because, like, they they seen, you know, I, I've been a juvie and stuff like that, the things that I was doing. It's like, I don't, you know, these problems don't just start. You know, it's not like I, I you know, I want to go rob somebody just because, like, oh, that, that was the first time he did that. Like, things escalate, you know. I remember telling my family, I remember since a kid I was already stealing the stores, you know, at first. We started off stealing bags of chips, you know, uh, some candies. Oh, we don't have no money. Let's go get some candies. And then as you grow older, you start to see like, you know, you're not just stealing candies no more. You're over here, you know, breaking into cars, breaking into houses. So, you know, this, these crimes escalate, you know, it's not like these kids are just, oh, dang, you know, he's robbing. Like he just started robbing, you know, you start somewhere. And I remember before the pandemic, things were rough. I remember going to Juvia. I went twice. First time it was shoplifting, and that was like my freshman year. Um, and that was actually a, a, it was New Year's Eve. It was the thirty first of, <laughs> it was the thirty first of December. Oh, and then I remember, uh, you know, getting taken to like the little intake, and you know, you wait for your parents there or whatever. And I remember just waking up there and uh, New Year's Day. The next day, I was like, "Dang, this is my this is my New Year." Like I woke up here for New Year's, and then um, you know things started escalating i started hanging out with the wrong crowds or whatever in like my junior year i went back to juvie and this time it was for an armed robbery and conspiracy to commit a crime and you know that that was tough you know like just being told that you might not go back home because of what you did so that was really tough so i was in some deep trouble and i remember when the pandemic hit you know, it kind of gave me a, a little break to go out from the streets. You know, I remember everybody was at home. Nobody was going out. So that kind of gave me a little uh, a chance to take a break from everything, you know, that was going on outside of the world and uh, just see life differently, you know, because I remember uh, when the pandemic first hit, I had just, I was about to graduate high school and I applied to get a job. I got a job at Walmart. That was my first job. And uh, just working there and getting my money and seeing how life was treating me way better. I was like, dude, I'm doing good. Why am I going to go back to the streets? So I felt that the pandemic really helped me. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's like a lot of people say that they hate the pandemic. You know, I'm not going to say that it was the best thing ever, but it really did help me kind of figure myself out. It gave me the chance to distance myself from everybody else because we couldn't get, you know, six feet apart, you know? <laughs> so it just gave me a chance to figure myself out. And so you would say like that time alone away from everybody kind of gave you that space to kind of like really focus on your life. Yeah, so it's like a self-care, you know, like I remember uh, there was in a day that I could go without smoking and then the pandemic hit and then, you know, where are we going to go smoke? You know, I don't got <laughs> money. So, you know, it just gave me, a, it really gave me a chance to figure myself out without those bad influences or whatever, without that peer pressure. It was just myself like, okay, what do you want to do? You know, and at the time I was just leaving high school. So that's when you're like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm not going to be going to school no more. Am I just going to start working now? So it just gave me that. It just it was like a blessing in disguise, I guess you could say. <laughs> How did the pandemic affect you personally? Like when you were really sitting with yourself, do you feel like there was a change there? Like you knew that you had to make a change or did you feel like this was your opportunity? I, I kind of took it like an opportunity. Like, you know, uh, I guess I could say I used it as an excuse to not go out. Like, I, I mean, you know, the homies are still hitting me up like, hey, bro, let's go do this. Let's go do that. But I would be like, nah, we can't do that right now. You know, the pandemic is going on. We can't do none of that. So uh, I guess I use it as an excuse, like, to not go out. Because, <laughs> I mean, I could have still gone out and done my stuff. But I used that as an excuse to figure myself out and really uh, 
see what I want to do with my life. Because in high school, you know, I seen kids like, oh, you know, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I'm going to go to college. And, you know, myself, I was like, well, what am I going to do with myself? What is my life going to look like? <laughs> Manuel, we know you have a passion for serving your community and improving the quality of life of young people. Could you tell us about uh, your work in the community now? Uh, yeah, so uh, I moved to Bakersfield like two, three years ago. Um, I moved out here with my girlfriend. She had stuff going on and she wanted to come to school out here. So I told her, I was like, all right, let's 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 go over there. And I started working here, started working two jobs. And then I was like, yeah, this ain't it. <laughs> I'm not going to be working two jobs my whole life. So I ended up going to school. I fell in love with it. Uh, and I remember uh, being in part of this group called uh, Lupe, Latinos Unidos por Educación. And uh, I remember uh, they, they told us about this little nonprofit community called Time for Change, Transitional Youth Mobilizing for Change. And uh, I was like, dang, you know, like, this looks awesome. Like, you know, you get little stipends for doing community service work and stuff like that. So I was like, let's take a stab at it. So I ended up going into it and I loved it. You know, I remember like the first day I was a bit nervous because it was new. And I was like, dang, I've never done nothing like this. You know, you're going literally from a few months before that, you know, I was in trouble doing drugs, doing this. And then. Like three months later, I'm over here working with the community, you know? So it was a huge change for me. And I felt like it really shaped me to what I want to do, you know, uh, being with Time for Change, doing uh, surveys for current behavioral health and stuff like that. It really gave me a new perspective. And then going out to community events, you know, seeing the positive change that you can really do. And, you know, me being 20 years old or whatever, it's like, this is crazy. You know, I'm 20 and I'm making all this change. And then I remember uh, they, they had an opportunity for youth board rep. So I took the, the chance at that too. So now I'm doing that. And then being employed with Current Community Foundation, you know, they have the Bakersfield Youth Jobs Program, being with the city of Bakersfield, seeing what that has to offer. You know, I just, you know, I really want to help the community. I, I've, after everything that I've seen, helping that it like volunteering my time, it really helped me figure out that this is what I want to do. I want to help the community and be that change, be the person who, you know, gives other people opportunities that I didn't have before. Before that, what was your like career path? Did you always want to do this or was it something different? Uh, it was a, I, I wanted to be a probation officer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then at the time, like I remember telling like the people that I met, like at that time I thought that was all that I could do, you know, help at risk youth. And you know, I could only do it being a probation officer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm majoring in administration of justice. So I was like, you know, I'm going to be a police officer, corrections officer, whatever. But then after I started helping with Time for Change and I started seeing like, dude, you can you can help so many other ways. You know, I don't I don't have to be a probation officer to be help. You know, I can, you know, start your own nonprofit, work at a nonprofit, you know. So before I wanted to be a juvenile probation officer. And I mean, that's still not off of the table. I mean, I can still do it, you know, but. I I much rather work with nonprofits and you know be able to help before they get to the juvenile probation or you know the juvenile detention you know being able to like interfere a little bit before they get there and they become juvenile justice involved or whatever you call it. What does it mean to you to give back to to the community? I'm I'm gonna have to say it's just a blessing, you know they because you know I'm not from Bakersfield and everything that Bakersfield's given me you know like. All the people in Bakersfield, all the opportunities that they've given me, the chance to change my life, you know, even back where I, where I was at back at home, I probably wouldn't have had these opportunities. So it just, it, it really, I really see it as a blessing because I get to give back to the community who, who helped me be who I am. 
you know they they helped me up when i was down you know they gave me opportunities when nobody else did so it just gives me a a different perspective in life and i really enjoy it i really want to do it and you know i hope i could so the serving your community really changed a perspective for you and what you wanted to do just yeah and, and not even just professionally but personally too you know like i remember thinking like man they're not doing nothing to you know make things better but once you start involving yourself in the community and stuff like that you start to see like there is people that want to make a change there is people that want to do this and i want to be one of those people as well you sound like you have a real passion for it i do and i really do because it's like i say we we need we need people who really want to do this you know uh a lot of times people just do it for money they're like oh i'm gonna do it because i get paid good and it's like i said i mean of course i do it for money too i want to make a good living and you know i want to have a nice house or whatever provide for my family but you know, at the end of the day, I just want to help people. And I, if I can make a living doing it, even better. <laughs> uh, what do people misunderstand most about youth impacted by the justice system? I feel that they just think that there's no hope for them. It's like, you know, they're already lost. What are you going to do? You know, uh, growing up in high school, I remember, uh, you know, just going going to school high or whatever. And like, mm -hmm. I, I never remember them telling me anything. I was like... Now I think about it, I'm like, why didn't they say nothing? Like, why didn't they, like, say, like, dude, <laughs> like, send me to the office or something, you know? And a lot of the times I just show up like that and the teachers would just look at me and like, oh, whatever. You know, he's not going to do his homework. He's not going to pay attention. Who cares about him? And, you know, I like to say, like, I'm still the same person that I was back then. You know, it's just, you know, I changed the way that I do things, you know? So a lot of times they just think there's no hope for them. Yeah, they're not going to change. That's the way they are. And, you know, I feel like that's, one of the biggest issues that people think there's no hope and you experience that yeah yeah you know just, firsthand yeah because you know um like i said before once i moved to bakersfield i got in with time for change and whatever but i remember even back then like when i was in back in Lindsay, that's my hometown when i was back over there i remember applying for jobs trying to do things like that and nobody would give me a call why because they knew how i was they're like oh that you know he's like that he's gonna he's probably gonna steal from us or something you know and I just I just wanted a chance. I just wanted somebody to give me that chance to really show my worth. Like, you know, I could do something. Just give me that chance. But uh, once I moved over here was when I was like, you know, I started off new. And I got to see that, you know, no, nobody knew me. Nobody knew what I had done before. So they gave me the opportunities. And once they gave me them, I took them and ran with them. You know, and look at me now. I'm doing all these things, trying to better my community. So I feel that, you know, those those oh there's no hope those labels like hey you know this guy that's what he is and there's no changing it you know i mean at the end of the day uh you you can't change anybody you can't force anybody to change but there is kids out there that really want to do something with their lives they just they just need that opportunity you just need to give them that chance to go and shine what advice do you have for teachers or schools listening for those kind of youth that you're mentioning accept them for who they are you know, um, a lot of times I remember growing up, they wanted to change who I was. Like, you know, uh, I remember my principal telling me to go into the military. He was like, you know, go to the army, go to the army. <laughs> I was like, bro, I'm not going to go to the army. <laughs> like, that's not what I want to do. And I felt like they were, instead of like, you know, like I said, empowering me and giving me that spotlight to really shine, they were just trying to change who I was. And like I said, you know, I'm still the same person I was back then. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I have a different mindset, of course. You know, I'm not doing all those other things, but, you know, I'm still the same old person, still the same old guy, same morals, you know. It's just they gave me an opportunity here, you know. So I feel like teachers should just 
or anybody in general, not just teachers, not just schools, but everybody, accept them for who they are, you know, and really like give them that opportunity to shine, you know, because sometimes that's why we are how we are. You know, we feel like there's nothing out there for us. I remember growing up, I was like, you know, what am I going to do? My All my family members, at least the guys in my family, they were all gang members. You know, a few of them got deported. You know, they, they work in the field. So to me, that was my life. Like, this is going to be my life. So why am I going to try and do good? But then once I came over here and I started seeing, like, I can, I can be something. I can do something with myself. I feel like that's what really changed me. So just accepting people for who they are and not wanting to change them, you know. They'll, they'll realize it. Because, you know, now that I think about it, I'm like, dang, I was such a dumb kid. Like, did I really do all those things? Like, <laughs> why was I doing those things? But, you know, just accept them. Be loving, you know, give them that support and then give them the opportunities that they need to shine. What would you say to youth who are currently going through things that you've went through? Um, what words of wisdom can you share with them? A few words of wisdom. <laughs> Be yourself. You know, uh, don't don't try to fit into a crowd, you know, because I feel like growing up, that was me trying to fit in with like a certain group. Like, oh, well, I, this is my group. I'm going to try and fit in with them. You know, if they're doing that, I'm going to go do it. You know, and just be yourself. You know, don't. <laughs> One thing that I've learned is you only ever care what people say when you're in high school. And I don't know if like if you guys have noticed that. Like, I remember me always tripping like, no, it's because this person's going to say this about me. or This is what they're going to think. But then once I graduated, like we all got our own things going on. Like, I, I don't I haven't talked to anybody from high school, so it didn't matter what they think about me now because <laughs> we're all doing something different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just. Be yourself, you know, be loving to yourself is one thing that I hear constantly is self-love, you know, figure yourself out. Don't try to be like nobody else. Be yourself because there's only one you and you never know who you could touch being yourself. For the for those youth who are facing that kind of stigmatism and, and being labeled, what do, what do you tell them to give them hope and, and inspire them? Look at me, <laughs> you know, look at me. So, you know, I was labeled and now, you know. This summer, I'm going to Germany to, you know, he learned about human rights. That's crazy. You know, who, who would have thought that I would have been going to Germany? And when I'm 20 years old, going to Germany and doing these things, you know, uh, working for the city, you know, being and then being a volunteer, being a, a youth board rep on Time for Change after all my past, like, you know, just there's hope, you know, don't give up hope. I remember a lot of times me saying like, well, this is it. You know, I'm not going to do nothing with myself. Like, you know, you already chose as how do I say, like, you already chose the life that you're living, but that's not it. You know, you could always change. It's never too late to change. You could always go back to school. Even if even if there's people like me still growing, you know, like you guys could still change too, you know. So I just feel like just be yourself and be loving and really know what you want to do, you know, because like I say now, you know, when you're living that gang life or whatever, there's one of two things. You're either going to go to jail, or you're going to be dead, you know, so. I'm pretty sure nobody wants to do that. So, thank you so much for answering our questions and just being honest with us. I love that you're very honest and real with us. So, what's next for you? What are what does your future hold? Um, you know, I'm I'm about to graduate college and everything. Still trying to figure out that, but one of the, my goals for sure is uh, I want to start my own nonprofit to help the youth. You know, especially at risk youth to give them the opportunities that I didn't have, especially back in my hometown. You know, we don't we don't have internships or nothing like that. I mean, we do have like a few people in the community that want to help. But it's like I said, you know, they try to change you like 
Now you can't be like that. You know, you have to change before you get accepted. So I want to be that that space where people can come in and actually be themselves. And you know, I just want to empower them to make a change in their communities. You know, be leaders. Because I never thought I was going to be a leader doing these type of things. You know, but you know, um, after all these experiences that I've been through, I feel that you know I I could really help these kids. And I really want to empower them. I really want to show them that they can do something else. You know, it's not all always the streets. You can you can really do something with it. And I, I see your passion sitting over here. You seeing you talk about it. You <laughs> have a passion for it, and it's really crucial that you do because, like you said, the work you're gonna do it takes person with passion. So I feel yeah. like it's it's just I'm so excited to see you it's glow. Like, it's like we're a little patience grow. and commitment. You know, we can do whatever we want to do in life, and it's it's true. You know. We just need to be dedicated and really want to do what we want to do. So it's like like basketball players, you know, like they want to be basketball players. So they every hour of the day, they're playing basketball. So that's what I want to do. You know, right now I'm trying to anything that I see where I, where I can help, I go and do it, you know, because I want to get that experience. I want to learn and I want to be the best at what I do. Is there anything uh, you wish we asked you? Is there anything I wish that you asked me? Um. Yeah. You know, one of the questions that I feel like you guys could ask is like, you know, who helped you? Like, you know what I mean? Like who in school actually helped you like get through the days like that? Because I did have people in school who really wanted to help me, who genuinely had love for me. Like, you know, we don't want to change you, be who you are. But they were still trying to empower me. And yeah. And who were those figures for you in your life that you were just mentioning? I feel like the biggest one was probably a, she was a, I don't know. I don't know what her title was or nothing like that, but she would take care of the kids in in-school and detention. Her name was Mrs. Moore. Um, you know, if you're from Lindsay, everybody knows who she is because, you know, she, she laid down the law. She was a, she was literally like the, <laughs> she laid down the law, you know, like if you're doing something wrong, she's going to call you out on it. And I feel that she actually accepted me for who I was, especially her seeing like all these kids come out of school and stuff like that. I felt like she really believed in me. She never tried to change who I was. She accepted me for who I was. And I remember like times going to school hungry or whatever, you know, uh, she'd be like, oh, if you're hungry, like and in school, like, oh, you're hungry. Like, let me go get something to eat for you. You know, so she showed me that love that I didn't really get from anybody else before, you know, because my dad was working or whatever. My sister had their life. I, I was never with my mom. My uncle's aunts had their own things going on. So I felt like she really showed me that love that I needed. That little like that person was like, OK, she believes in me. She thinks I can really do something with myself. So I feel like. She was like actually a big figure that helped me kind of figure out and navigate my way through life, I guess you could say. <laughs> Before we wrap things up, we would like to ask you, and we ask all of our guests this, do you have a life motto? A life motto. So like something that I live by, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember my cousin. This is this this is a crazy story because I remember like my cousin, you know, he was in gangs and all and uh, I know he has mental health issues and stuff like that, but I remember one time I was sitting down outside of his house and I was all sad, you know, like, oh, man, my life isn't good. You know, this sucks. You know, everything that I do is always bad. And I remember him telling me, you know, life isn't fair to none of us. He's like, but there's two types of people in this life. He's like, there's those who sit and complain and others who take it and strive. So I really took that down and I'm like, you know, I'm just sitting here and complaining. I'm not doing nothing, you know, so I'm going to just take it and strive. So, you know, now anytime... I get opportunities. I never complain. If something goes wrong, I'm not going to complain about it. You know, it's life. You know, life isn't fair. Like he said, life isn't fair for anybody. So I just take every opportunity that's given to me and just strive. You know, take it and do something with it. 
you know, don't don't sit and complain. Go and make a change. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> and it rhymes. <laughs> I love that. That was amazing. Manuel, thank you for sharing your inspiring story with us today. Um, your story is going to share a lot of strength with the young people out there. and It's going to mo motivate them to keep pressing on. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I surely do hope so, man. That's why I came out here. You know, maybe there's a kid out there who's struggling right now and they listen to this and they're like, dang, that's crazy. This guy's doing this, you know, and I mean, I just really hope that somebody listens out there and it really changes life out there, you know, because if it touches one person, it's all that matters, you know. I loved his story. He is just an amazing speaker. He comes out with all this positivity. He's like a ball of sunshine. Like he is so ready to tackle everything. I love it. He's just an amazing advocate. He's very positive and I feel like he's enthusiastic about what he does. You know, I feel like his experience has shaped him and he's able to share that wisdom with the youth. So that's what I love most about him. Manuel mentioned Time for Change and we they actually also have a podcast called Voices for Kern and we will link them down below in their Instagram and guys go take a listen. I, I just love what they do there at Time for Change and I think it would be really beneficial. Gives a lot of great insight. Well, that's it for this episode of Youth Voice Amplified. If you enjoy what you heard and want to support the show, please take a moment and rate us and leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. It'll help us spread awareness and find new listeners. And if you're looking for our show notes or recommended resources for any of our episodes, please visit our website at www.kern.org YVA. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or would like to recommend a topic or guest, you can email us at youthvoiceamplified at gmail.com. Join us for our next episode when Brian and I sit down with our next youth storyteller. Thanks for listening and see you next time. And we out of here. Youth Voice Amplified is a youth-led project of the Kern County Superintendent of Schools Office, created, produced, and hosted by Janessa Fisher and Brian Johnson, with writing, research, and additional production support by Kim Silva, Allison Baptiste, and the Kern Educational Television Network. Major funding for the Youth Voice Amplified podcast is provided by the Student Achievement and Support Division of the California Department of Education through the Homeless Innovative Program Grant. Thanks for listening.